0: Hi, Christine here. Happy New Year. I want to share with you some super exciting news. Throughout the years, many of you through a pit fam as well as others have personally DM me asking me how you can find other genuine people to develop friendships with and open up about your stories and connect on a deeper level. And that has always stuck with me so I started planning along with two of my beautiful beautiful friends Serena and Christina and we have started a community called Asian soul care we officially launched a few weeks ago and have already started posting and sharing our feels. our mission for Asian soul care is to cultivate a community where people can develop genuine friendships connections and conversations while learning about self-growth here you'll feel safe heard and seen for who you are. We're here to celebrate one another and share what we've learned and how we're continuing to grow. For more information, join us at Asian Soul Care on Instagram and Facebook. We'll also link it down below in our description. Can't wait to personally talk to you there and begin this journey together.
1: I just came by to stir your soul up a bit. The Perfectly Imperfect podcast with Regina and Christine, where we share our stories as women openly and honestly.
0: We believe it's through our journeys, our happy and sad times that connect us as sisters because we're all perfectly imperfect.
1: Welcome back to Perfectly Imperfect, the podcast where we have vulnerable conversations about mental health, self growth, and relationships. I'm Regina. And I'm Christine. Oh my goodness. Oh, I said (laughs) goodness. But I was just so excited to introduce this week's guest. We've had him on before, but we've not had him on solo, right? No. To my recollection, yes. He is someone who plays a really important role in both of our lives and in our relationship as well. I think (laughs) when it comes to like friends and their significant others, you have the tendency to be like, oh, well, I'm my friend's friend, but you know, the significant other is always just kind of there, but I can very much say that in their relationship and my relationship with the both of them, like I have a relationship with each of them and I'm super grateful to be able to have like hour-long conversations with both of them together, separately. Like They just bring me so much joy, and I think they both have so much wisdom to pass on to me, and I feel very, very grateful to have a relationship with both Christine and today's guest, Jack, her fiancé. Woo! (laughs) It's just a singular audience member.
0: (laughs) So Jack, I'm sure you guys know, is my fiancé. He actually has been on my own podcast, XOXO Christine, a couple of times. we dive deep into our relationship, even an episode about why we broke up and Mm -hmm. how we got engaged and all of that. He has his own podcast, Ball Versus Life, that he's Mm -hmm. been... How long has it been that you've been recording with, JC? It's
2: been over a year. Yeah, yeah.
0: And they talk about sports. But... Mm -hmm. One of the main reasons why, besides, you know, being my fiance, <laughs> that Jack is here is because we're so, so proud and so happy for Jack that he's starting his own separate podcast, just himself, <gasps> called Right in the Fields.
2: Wow, Woo! solo show. What a
0: great name.
2: You helped me come up with the name. <laughs> She's so like, yourself- <laughs> it was my
1: brainchild. That's why I think it's so
0: great. <laughs> oh, if you guys only knew the runner-up names, this is seriously the best out of all of them. So. Jack, tell us about Right in the fields why you're starting it, what it's about, and who is it for?
2: Well, first off, I'm super honored to be a guest of yours. I mean, I was a guest already, but to share this with you guys again is really, really an honor. And for my podcast, Right in the fields, I'm really going to be focusing on discussing feelings and men in particular. So whether you're a man that has trouble navigating his emotions or just wants to find a way to grow, or you're a woman that's confused about why men think and feel the way they do, well, this is going to be- There's so many of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is going to be the podcast to help discuss that. And hopefully I can answer some of the questions and hopefully we can both go on this journey of discussing all these little intricacies and nuances and understanding why men express themselves the way they do or how they are just in general
0: oh, i Ooh. love that you got that down yeah. yeah
2: i just made that up right now too so
0: wow okay stop bragging <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jack with Regina in our group of friends and everyone goes to Jack. Mm-hmm. Jack has taken all my friends <laughs> <laughs> and become that voice of reason. Whenever, because if people know me as like, oh yeah, Christine, like she's very older sisterly type, you know. But when they want that calm, understanding, <laughs> like rational, there's <laughs> all like the big brother point of view, that wisdom, they all go to Jack. So not surprisingly, a lot of our friends like Jack. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel a tinge of uh, jealousy there. Uh or sense No, no
0: jealousy. <laughs> I'm I'm very proud of him. I think it's that's one of the main reasons why he's Going to be the man of my life for the rest of my mm-hmm. life. Very proud of him and seeing his growth and his journey because I will tell you, when I first met Jack, this was not the Jack <laughs> that you see before <laughs> you now. <laughs> wow. She's like, I molded him, I him for good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Jack definitely has like a very calming presence. Like, I think that Christine is like the friend that you go to when you're upset and riled up and you just need to like vent and talk. And then Jack is the one who like will calmly be like, okay, uh, well, let's look at this from like all perspectives. And I'm like, no, let's look at it from my perspective.
2: (laughs) I remember when you guys had your fight. I know you guys recorded an episode about this fight that you guys had. Regina, and I had a separate little luncheon and we we really discussed All the back end stuff of of your fight. And Mm -hmm. it was a really good bonding time actually between me and you.
1: Yeah, for sure. It was a very therapeutic experience because I think that especially during that time in our relationship, Jack obviously knows you and I, like the relationship that we have together because he's always been like... I don't know in this relationship—is he the third wheel or? Am I, the third <laughs> I, I feel like
2: I'm the third wheel.
1: <laughs> well, whoever is the third wheel, I think that Jack just always has had a very good understanding of the two of us and how we are together and how we are apart. He's just always been so supportive of just everything. Being able to talk to him during that time too, allowed me to get out of my own head of like all of my own feelings or anger or, you know, just frustration with the situation as a whole. And he was very good at listening to me, you know, validating my feelings and being like, okay, I can totally see why you would come at it from this perspective mm-hmm. he may have a different opinion than what I'm talking about but he would never try to impose that on me and I think that that's mm-hmm. something I've always really admired about Jack and that's why I think that he is the perfect host and I'm so excited for the release of right in the fields because I think that he is always able to look at things objectively and talk about things in a very rational way and you know he's gone through his own journey of what what it means to be a man, whether it was, you know, growing up in his like household and like into society and having a fiery significant other, like Christine too. Oh my God, who is that? (laughs) (laughs) Who is she talking (laughs) about? So calm. You know, navigating all those different phases in his life, like this podcast, I'm excited for it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And to give a little bit of background to Jack, because I know he won't say it himself, but- He grew up with a sister and a mom and primarily it was just them three. So he was surrounded by two very strong women still. And now it's three, including me, as well as he has been the best man at like a (laughs) hundred true story (laughs) he has like so many guy friends yeah I'm his significant other that's always alone at the wedding because he has so many best man responsibilities so he has always had a lot of male friends also understanding women and trying to like get perspectives I think like he has a right balance of that of being able to hear as well as trying to understand the different worlds so even in our relationship I will make him answered (laughs) for all men like you're speaking for all (laughs) (laughs) Why are guys
2: like this? Yes. Christine literally told me that right before we were in a court. Are you ready to speak for all men? No pressure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you are the voice for all men. So let's go into today's episode where pretty much is (laughs) that. We were talking about assumptions that women have about men, maybe assumptions, expectations, but also just questions in general. Because here at Perfectly Imperfect, Regina and I are so good. pros, (laughs) pros, <laughs> experts for speaking for all. Women. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or just talking about, you know, what the world assumes and expects from women and our experiences from that. Mm-hmm. So for today's episode, we really want to have Jack explain a lot of things or clarify (laughs) and you know let's dive in deeper like what are some of the things that men go through how can we better understand because I know the episode that we recorded with Jack you guys can listen with Jack and my brother we'll link it down below that's also a really great episode about just like men growing up and getting a perspective from women on how we can be better allies in that but I think today we really Mm -hmm. wanted to go into just like what are some of the things that from a women's perspective we expect of men or maybe just the world and men themselves, what they carry on. And we also have a bunch of questions from our listeners that we asked on IG. So we'll also be diving into some of those and seeing Jack's, you know, explanation or maybe explaining some things that for us we've never thought of from their perspective.
1: So yeah, let's get mm-hmm. into it. So I think that, you know, when we first think of what are some of the assumptions that women or just people in general have about men. One of the things that I've always thought growing up was that men are just less emotional and they show Mm. less emotions. They're very logical and we have to compromise by just kind of dealing with the fact that they're never going to fully understand our emotions or try to understand our emotions. And I think that even today, I didn't grow up in a household that had like very strong gender norms, but I think that there are still, Mm -hmm. you know, hints in the back where my mom or my dad will say, well, oh, that's too feminine for men or that's too masculine for women. And, you know, when you get really emotional, it's like, oh, well, that's because you're a woman. How has that affected you growing up? Like, did you see yourself as an emotional person? Have you ever felt like, oh, There's this assumption that men aren't allowed to be emotional, but why do I feel so many emotions Mm. or have so many feelings? Like, what was your experience dealing with that?
2: Mm. Well, first, I think the assumption that men are less emotional in comparison to women, it's definitely false. Whether men like to say that or not, it's just not true. I think it might be more of a denial of your emotions Mm. versus understanding your emotional response or emotions internally. Because we're all human. We all feel things at the heart of it. So I think that for sure whether it's assumption or expectation is just not true. I think a lot of men like to say that, but I think that's just them not understanding how to articulate their emotion or understand their emotion in comparison to women too. They're like, "Oh, that seems so different." So in that way, I don't see myself as emotional, but you feel the same things internally. So that's the first thing about that expectation or assumption. And for me, that's different than you is I grew up in a household that is actually had a lot of gender roles that was kind of imparted to me and my sister. Mm. And that was a big part in how I grew up as a male. And I definitely was steered towards a lot of male expectations set forth by my mom and dad, primarily my dad, but my mom also went along with it because obviously they're parents and they both grew up similarly. So they both had those same set of values of how they feel like Young boys and young girls should grow up because I had a sister. So I saw the direct difference Mm. in how we were raised. And yeah, a lot of things were you shouldn't cry or men shouldn't be emotional. And they gave my sister a little bit more latitude in that. And that definitely affected me a lot of ways. I think I developed a lot of mechanisms to push down my emotions. And I talk about this in my podcast. When it comes to emotions, I think when you push down the response of how you want to naturally respond, it kind of inhibits your critical thinking. And when you inhibit your critical thinking primarily to emotions, then you don't have a developed way to break down problems that you have with mental health. And that's a big thing with men dealing with emotions when your environment isn't fostered for that, whether it's society placing that on you or yeah, gender roles are placed in your household or in your culture or whatnot.
0: So if we apply that, let's say in a relationship, because a lot of women are like, okay, men, they just want to fix our problems. They never, they're just always thinking so rationally. Mm. I'm trying to tell them about how I feel, but they just immediately just go to like problem solving. What's going on there in terms of what the guys are thinking and how can we better bridge communication for both genders when it comes to in a relationship, just assuming like, oh, wow, men just aren't emotional. They don't care. I think that's where we go to. We're like, oh, they don't care. They just want to solve it. They want to move on. They think I'm weak for being so emotional. Mm. What would you say about that?
2: I think you get that a lot where girls, and, and we're stereotyping, where a lot of women will be like, oh, men just want to fix the problem versus just understanding or listening. And I think it comes down to when men are taught growing up, that your response to things should be to think more logically or not to channel your emotional aspect of response, then when you encounter problems in the future, whether it's with your partner or your friends, you're going to have that same response. You're going to be like, all right, instinctively I'm taught not to channel the emotional part. So when, let's say my girlfriend or my wife is talking about emotional response to a fight that she's in or emotional response to a problem, instead of listening to her and really understanding that component of it, I'm triggered into thinking, okay, let's just work on the ABCs, the one, two, threes. So what can we do? My initial response is, I don't like to see you emotional. So I'm going to work my mind to solving that problem. But the solution is actually to listen. But that's never computed to a man because they weren't fostered that in their own environments to be like, oh, you feel bad? Why don't you explain to me why you feel bad? Instead, it's just like, get over it, man up, you know, suck it up. Just move on to the next thing. And that's why they have that response. It's not so much that they don't want to listen. I think it's they were never given the tools to really think in that way. And it's really hard to explain that to a man because when you grow up your whole life and have that response, there's going to be a lot of complications in shifting your mindset to that.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, you're conditioned. Mm-hmm. So then what would you say to guys that are listening that are
2: like, oh, my God, yeah, I totally am conditioned <laughs> to do like, well, then what do I do? That's a good question. I think you first have to really listen. (laughs) Taking yourself outside of your preconceived notions or preconceived things that you feel about, whether it's women or your partner, that's step number one. Because we tend to, like this episode where it's all about assumptions and expectations, we tend to live in our own expectations and assumptions. So to exercise that in your own mind to remove yourself from the equation is step one, like in almost anything, primarily with things to do with the difference between men and women is to remove yourself from it to be like, instead of thinking what I would do, you think, okay, let me just listen. And then really try to interpret the problem or interpret the issue at hand versus why is that person being like that? I would never handle the situation like that. I would never think that way. Oh my gosh, she's being so emotional. That's so different than me. That's really where you have to start fundamentally.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. There's also that idea of that, like, emotions are wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think even starting there, right? Mm-hmm. I think for everyone, not even just men, but like, yeah, emotions are not wrong. They're just mm-hmm. signals from your brain telling you something is making you feel a certain way, what's happening there. That's just purely
1: what it is. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like when you were taught to, you know, suppress your emotions and not show them, but your sister was allowed to, like, what was that dynamic like? Growing up in a household full of strong women and now being with a strong woman, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that there are a lot of like ways in which you, I don't know, do you wish you could be more emotional or were you just always okay kind of like floating by? Was there ever like a moment where it kind of clicked with you where you're like, wait, 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 like I have these emotions too, you know, what was that journey like for
2: you? I think what it really created was a sense of isolation internally that I didn't Mm. fully comprehend until much later in my 20s. I always felt alone. It didn't matter how many friends I had or around the people that loved me, that were around me. I always felt alone because internally I just felt like I couldn't express myself and I never understood why. But when I think back on it now, as you were saying, yeah, like being around my sister and my mom and my dad who didn't necessarily help me foster an environment that could have me speak openly about my emotions. That's kind of like how men develop that lone wolf mentality. It's very isolating and you just feel like the world and the weight is on your own shoulders and you mm-hmm. tend to push people away and because you just never feel like they'll understand you. And the problem is not that they can't understand you, is you don't know how to express yourself for them to understand you. Mm,
1: mm. And so I'm assuming that Christine was like a big part in that process of you, like learning to open up and things like that. It's crazy to hear, you know, how you rationalize through your emotions back then, because like, to me, the Jack that I know, (laughs) I can be so open with you and you the same with me. And I value and cherish those kind of conversations with that I have with anybody, you know? So it's like, funny to me to think that when you were a kid or when you were growing up, you were like, no, no, no. You know, I felt so isolated and alone when I'm sure that you also listen to Christine and I have like five-hour conversations about our different emotions and things like that.
2: Well, you guys really inspired me and in just the your podcast that you guys have here at Perfectly Imperfect, having open, honest conversations. And that's really one of the huge inspirations of why I wanted to start my podcast, really carry forth the conversation I mean, you guys obviously talk about a lot of women's issues, but for men, that's something I really feel super passionate about. That's why I love the episode topic, too.
0: Mm, mm. Last night, we were talking about it. Jack wanted to go to sleep at a reasonable hour, and I was just like, hey,
1: (laughs) hey. Want to (laughs) chat? Yeah,
2: literally. I'm always like, I'm really sleepy. Please, please, please let me go to sleep.
1: This is how I. She's like, no. Tell me all of your deepest darkest insecurities,
0: (laughs) women. This is how you help men open up when they want to go to sleep at night, and you're like, hey, that's practice.
2: (laughs) That's where you catch them off guard.
0: He literally was saying that it's extremely helpful for men when their relationship with women, and it's not on the women, but it is like women creating that safe space for men to open Mm -hmm. up, you know, and Mm. to share their feelings. And I have to admit that even in my younger 20s, not understanding any of the things that we've been talking about on perfectly imperfect or vulnerability, I myself had like judgments about men who cried or showed emotion. Mm. Yeah, it is a sense of maturing and understanding that that actually is a sign of strength. You know, Mm -hmm. when people are willing to be vulnerable, especially men, because they have so much working against them. And so many people just, they themselves are fighting that, right? That Mm -hmm. judgment. So Mm -hmm. I think as women being able to hold a safe space of encouraging, and it's not like the very thing that we want men to do is to listen. Like for me, that's practice. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I often
0: interrupt Jack while he's talking. That's something I'm constantly working on where I'm like, oh, wait, okay, Jack is expressing himself. <laughs> so I'll be mm. like, oh, well, what do you mean by that? You know? Mm. And especially when they're starting to tap into their emotions, it's like riding a bike, but with training wheels, like it's not going to come easy. Sometimes mm. they trip over their words. Sometimes they're not sure what they're trying to say and they get lost in it. But I do think that as women just being like, oh, okay, well, asking the questions. We just had an episode with the J-Rod twins where their two advice was just listening and asking questions out of curiosity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. those are really great tidbits to help men, I think, as women to be allies in that of like, it's okay, I'm not here to judge you for it. The very thing that I want from you is the very thing that I want to learn how to do for you as
1: well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think that as much as, you know, we're like, oh, why won't men open up? Like (laughs) we're set in our own biases of how we expect men to show up. And yeah, I'm totally with you in the fact that like, you know, I was like, oh yeah, that does seem a little femme or like, oh, men shouldn't be doing that. But I think that those are just all like stereotypes that we were taught. And if anything now, like when I see a man cry, I get so emotional because I'm like, (laughs) to have a man get to that point of like breaking down or crying or whatever, it must take so much strength. Yeah. Yeah. It's so powerful. So yeah, I definitely commend men who don't follow those like gender norms. And we understand our parents, like traditional, oh, men do this and women do this, but then there's also a new way where it's like, well, that's not really how it works anymore. You know, like women are going into the work field, getting married and having kids at a much later age because they're putting their careers Mm -hmm. first. Like all of these things are changing. And we're kind of, we're riding that wave, but we're still in that in-between, I think, of the generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
0: it's pioneering through that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. It definitely is hard. Anytime you're doing things against the grain, there's definitely going to be pushback. So mm-hmm. moving on to our next <laughs> Dude, we spent 30 minutes talking about this one time.
2: One oh my gosh. Okay, let's move quicker. Yeah.
0: So when it comes to like relationships, we'll just go into that. There's just an assumption and expectation where men are all about sex. always <laughs> so <it has> come <laughs> with an agenda of sex and as well as things that like, you know, men have commitment issues. They don't like commitment. Really first want to address the sex is everything. Where mm-hmm. I think as women, when we get older, that's what we kind of learn. <laughs> the hard <laughs> way we're, we're thinking like, oh, man, yeah, we're friends. Yeah, you have just such a connection. And then later on, we're like, dude, he was just in it to try to like get me into mm-hmm. bed. So please
2: answer to <laughs> Explain that. Explain yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, know, you got to be upfront. Sex means a lot to men. <laughs> There's no two ways about that. I think they put a lot of focus on sex and sex is also a broad term. Like it comes down to attractiveness. It comes down to how you present yourself or how you're motivated in dating and in relationships. And I think a lot of times even though sex is a lot, it is not everything. If you are meeting guys that put a huge emphasis on that, then you probably should not be with a guy like that because he's probably at the heart of it. That's just a kind of a distraction <laughs> to what at the core he probably really wants. And he uses sex mm. as a kind of a blanket distraction, right? Or he wasn't taught to really focus on other important things in life in a relationship. you know. And if he's always hooking up, maybe he's trying to fulfill some kind of hole inside him that he feels like he can only get through some kind of validation through sex or getting women. Mm -hmm. So he can brag or he can feed his ego. So when you say men think sex is everything, it's very broad, but when you break it down, it's just not the case. That's why the assumption that men are all about sex is just not true. I think in popular culture and stuff like that or in media, it seems that way. And it's also a comparison to women, right? Women don't seem to be driven by sex as much as men. So it just feels like men are always about sex when you see it from that point of view.
0: Are you dispelling that myth? There are men out there that like aren't all about sex. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they're out there women they're out there girls. Like (laughs) don't settle for the ones that are just looking at you like a piece of meat. Mm
2: -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You definitely don't. I mean, if you're settling for men who are really just objectifying you mm. and it really feels mm-hmm. that way, that's not the man for you. It just isn't. Because there are plenty of men that don't see women that way. And it might feel like all these guys are like that because when you're on the on Tinder or whatever, Coffee Meets Bagel, and you start talking to a guy and sometimes he veils it too, right? But he's really going after sex. It's not every man. <laughs> There's a huge portion of men that are not like that.
0: What would you say about like the men that get mad when women don't, you know, have sex with them or they've paid for all these dates and they want to move quicker physically and then the woman is not down for that. And then the man gets mad or they blame all, you know, like what's going on there?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think the problem with men when they get mad is because it's the rejection, Okay. Men have a lot of, I mean, people in general have problem with rejection, but men, especially when it comes to, because they value sex so much, right? When you have a guy that's really wanting to have sex, right? And he's doing all the works to get to that point of having sex with a girl and she rejects him. Yeah. It's like a buildup. And then when the letdown comes, he's upset because he's not getting what he wants. And he's in his mind, he's working so hard to it. You know, whether buying you flowers or buying you dinner, doing all this stuff. Maybe he's not saying it outright, but if he feels like, hey, if I just put out there, like, I just want to have sex, I'm going to get rejected right away. So I'm going to do all this hoopla instead. Mm. But when it comes down to it. Did you just
0: say hoopla? Yes, (laughs) I did. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, that is my fiance and future husband.
2: (laughs) But yeah, I think when it comes down to it and he gets rejected, he gets upset. And at the heart of it, Mm. he just doesn't have a healthy respect for you and your boundaries. And Mm -hmm. I think instantly when you find a man that gets mad at you after you get rejected, you can pretty much put in the back of mind, this man does not respect me. So throw him away.
0: Oh, throw him away.
2: You need to be with somebody that respects you 100%. If you say no to anything, he should respect you.
1: Mm. (laughs) Hmm. Spoken like a real man. (laughs) And you know, like in this conversation too, who are we to say that there aren't also girls who are out there who are also just in it for sex, right? Like Mm -hmm, I think that mm -hmm. it goes both ways, but I definitely think that in this situation, like we were bred to think that men only care about sex and that women are the ones who like want the emotional, like connection and love and things like that. And even when you go back and like watch rom-coms, like it very much fits into those categories. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, now looking back at those sitcoms and movies and things like that, we're like, wow, these are so (laughs) problematic. But (laughs) it's because of how we've evolved as a society. And that's what I've learned too. Like I think in my early 20s, I was like, yeah, worried that like, oh, guys only care about like the physical attraction. Like they don't really care about the emotional attraction. But like that's not what I've seen when it comes to a relationship. It's kind of like what Jack said. It's like really being able to talk about it and like know from the get-go what you guys are getting into because i'm pretty sure if jack and christine when they first started dating if jack was like oh i'm only in this for the physical attraction i don't care about anything else like that's definitely i'm like hey let's
0: yeah. go let's go <laughs> He's like, oh, i put a ring on that finger like,
2: oh, God. <laughs> i wanted to clarify too i think there are different periods of your life where you put more importance on certain things mm. for example let's say a guy mm. or a girl in their early 20s mm-hmm. they're like hey you know what I I just want to be for free love me, I want to focus on the sexual aspect of my life, mm. then yeah, like most of your motivations will be like sex is everything, mm-hmm. depending on where you are in life. Sometimes, yeah, if you're a girl looking not for that, but then you're meeting a bunch of guys in their early 20s and they're kind of focused on that aspect right now, then it feels like men are always about sex for mm-hmm. sure.
0: Yeah, that's very true. I think being able to understand that for yourself, therefore you're not making compromises that you're definitely not comfortable with. We've said this before on Perfectly Imperfect. As a woman, there is this narrative, and this is what we're taught, that any type of like unwanted sexual advancement or things that make us uncomfortable as women, that we attract that. That we did something, mm. you know. It's like what you're wearing, how you said something, how you walked, and you know, we're taught as women, especially Asian women, like don't entice the man, mm. don't do that. Mm. You know, keep your le- like keep your legs crossed, and therefore, when we become women into adulthoods, and then you have like like you said, young men who are. F- Full of <laughs> testosterone. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, I'm going to be a man. I will speak from personal experience. I've felt like it was my fault mm-hmm. a lot. I felt bad. I felt like I shouldn't say no. And I can't say no because, yeah, then he's going to get mad or then he's going to hate me. He's going to reject me. They're going to think that I did it. So it's easier just to go with mm-hmm. it, even though I knew I was uncomfortable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's important for what you said to hear it from like, a guy's perspective. If a man is not respecting you when you are being being clear or not even being clear. If any time that you're not feeling comfortable, express it. And if he's not respecting it, then that right there is a clear red flag.
1: Mm-hmm. 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 Definitely. Yeah. And I, I think that that's a lesson that I wish more young girls are being taught. And I'm glad. I mean, no means no. And you can say mm-hmm. no. Like saying no is okay. Like mm-hmm. I think that those are mm-hmm. such important lessons that Because of the traditional values of like our parents, like even now, like sometimes I'll buy a top that's like kind of revealing and my mom's like, wear a jacket. Like you're like enticing the boys, like you're inviting them. And I'm like, excuse me, like it's little comments like that that I think that really get drilled into you, into women, especially at a very young age, that make it feel like, yeah, it is our responsibility to make sure that men don't act up when it's never the other way around. It's like, why aren't you teaching the men to not act up? Why are we the ones who yeah. have to prevent it from acting up? Why
0: well, are you not teaching your sons to respect women and yeah. respect no and see them as humans? Yeah, exactly.
2: I, I think as a man, it's important to acknowledge, like even BLM, when we were talking about like when the world is really focused on BLM and all the racial injustice and stuff like that, it's really understanding privilege. I think as a male, it's hard to understand privilege when you grow up in a world where it's very dominated by men. Men set the rules up. So unconsciously, you don't even process that you have the privilege. You only wield the privilege when it suits you best. It's like in any competition, right, you're going to wield your advantages. And sometimes you don't even know the advantage that you have, but you just want to get to that end goal, right? Whether it's to have more money or have more status or yeah, have more women, you're going to wield that advantage. And I think you see a play out in dating, you see it play out in society, even more so in terrible ways, whether that's the president or (laughs) Supreme Court. And that's the scary part of what we're talking about right now is male privilege is still around, Even though we're having more discussions, there's still a lot of people that don't want to admit to having that privilege under a disguise of using it as an advantage, though. Because if you admit to it, maybe you have to find a solution. Hey, maybe I shouldn't have this crazy advantage over another woman. And what if I don't have the advantage, what's going to happen? I'm Mm. not going to be where I am, right?
1: Yeah, I think that that is what is so mind blowing sometimes, where it's like, I don't want to acknowledge the fact that there is this like male privilege because of how it will affect me and like what I'm able to do. And I don't know, it's just so extremely frustrating. I grew up with a very strong female leader in my life, and that is my mother, Mm -hmm. and she (laughs) takes like no shit from anyone. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that has been a really inspiring and like empowering thing. But I think that even then, like, yeah, exactly. As I said, there are still some embedded things where she'll say like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so is really lucky that they're doing so well in their career considering the fact that they're like Asian and they're a woman. Mm -hmm. And like that is seen as a negative. It's seen as a weakness to be Mm -hmm. not only a POC, but also a woman, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like the, Double threat. What's the triple threat?
0: <laughs> For sure. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just like navigating mm-hmm. the world in all these different experiences. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're going to tie that into today's episode, it's like acknowledging that, recognizing that and hearing that. I think mm-hmm. that's important. Where we then we can start talking about it. Mm-hmm. But I know we're like a lot of us are coming from like different points. And we're like, this is how I grew up. This is all you don't listen. And men are like this. Mm-hmm. Women are like that. But like Jack said earlier, it's like taking yourself out of the equation just to hear what the other person is saying. With that, there's also this expectation that men should be the breadwinners Mm -hmm. and take care of everything. I feel like, you know, when Mm -hmm. we think about like, oh, dads and father figures, leaders of our family, stuff like that. There's so much put on that role and that men, they burden and shoulder all of that weight of feeling like you have to have the answers, not only for yourself, but for your family, for your future, all of that. What is that like?
2: It's a lot. It really is a lot. When at a young age, you see how men should be in society and how you should be in your household. Like you should be the breadwinner. That's the expectation. And it's not necessarily a bad expectation because you're going to shoot high, right? You're going to be like, all right, I'm going to need to do these things to provide for my family. But beyond that is in modern society, that doesn't apply as much. (laughs) So when you have a generation of men leaving that stereotype of men should be these leaders. They should be the breadwinner. It puts an unintentional effect on creating this pressure for a man to, to fulfill that role where I don't think it really applies now. Honestly, even now in today's economy and a lot of families being raised, you need dual incomes. So yeah. when you have a generation of men that should be like, oh, I'm, I have to be number one. You know, I have to be the one that sets the table. I'm the one putting the food on the table. And I am the hunter. You are <laughs> the exactly. other. But the reality is you can't make X amount and provide for your family in that way anymore. You're going to have a lot of men not feeling like they're men. They're not living up to that standard where I think that standard maybe was more something that fit a need back in the day. Well, let's say like when people were farming or hunting and stuff, like, yeah, a male had to go out there and hunt and bring back food, you know, and that kind of was established then, but now it just doesn't apply anymore. And I think, it's unfair expectation. And I think women still place that on men a lot too, where, mm-hmm. where that's not expected of women as much. And I think that is changing now. But there is a general thing where if a man doesn't have his stuff together, like let's say he doesn't have a car, doesn't have a house, doesn't have a great job, he's not marriage material instantly you know, Mm. whereas women have more forgiveness in that, right?
0: Well, like, what do you guys have to offer? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Other than
1: safety and security of a home. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Your good looks. (laughs) (laughs) No, I hear
0: you. Well, also that, like, It's tied in with ego. Mm. Then it becomes like a validation, right? Because like, oh, the Mm. more money I bring in and provide for my family as a man makes me manlier. Mm. And if your wife is going out making the money and I'm staying at home as a man to like take care of my kids and be a homemaker, then oh. That's embarrassing. Like, why? I
2: think there's two levels of expectations. One that men place on men and others that women place on men, right? And they sometimes they correspond to each other. So Mm. in this case, it's like men should be the breadwinner. Maybe women expected that of men originally because it was needed. Right. To have a fruitful household to provide for your kids, he needs to have those capabilities. He needs to show them. So Mm. that's at the root of it. But then beyond that, there's the ego part of it where men are comparing themselves to each other. It's like, who's the best man?
0: Oh, sizing each other up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
2: He's the one that has five cars.
0: You guys are like gorilla pounding your chest. (laughs) Exactly.
2: And there is a lot of that. Guys like to compete. They like to compete against each other for women and against themselves, right? Who's the best? God, men. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Women
1: are so competitive with each other too. Yeah. Um, Well, this also ties into like another question that one of our listeners had. That is like that guy friends always see each other as competition. Have you experienced that? Like growing up, did you see your guy friends as like, if they get these girls or if they get those jobs, that means I am less or not as good as or... Anything of that? Did you always feel the need to be, you know, the strongest, the fastest, the best basketball player, the
2: one with the most successful job, the one who went to the best school, you know, definitely. et cetera? I think definitely men have that sense of competition. And there's a part of it that's out of respect. As a male, when someone sees you as competition, you almost say like, oh, that means he respects me because if he didn't think anything of me, he wouldn't think of me as competition, right? If I'm that mm. below him. so oh, men kind of. I've
0: never thought about it
2: that way. Yeah. yeah so true. men... When they compete against each other, whether that's in a sport where it's physical, you can tell right away if you have an advantage or there's certain men that hone certain skills to gain an advantage. Like that's a respect. You're like, wow, that guy really is working hard to get to a certain level. Kobe. Exactly. Kobe. So competition is respect in the male world. They don't see it Mm -hmm. as like, oh, you're trying to necessarily just take me down. Actually, the more that someone tries to take you down in a fair way, of course, the more respect you give that person. You're like, okay. What? Respect crazy. to that. You know?
0: Men are crazy.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Women are like competition. Ah, mm-hmm. it, it is about tearing each other down. Mm-hmm. But I guess when you say that, there is a sense of respect because you just don't want to admit it. You don't want to give it to her. But there mm-hmm. is that like... <laughs> Oh, yeah, I see you and you're doing something that's cool. But I think maybe with women, it depends on what circumstance and how Mm -hmm. they see themselves as competition. But I think there is that there's not as many opportunities in that area or women just being queen bee and all that. So we try to take each other down in that way through competition, whether it's mentally or vindictively.
1: Yeah, I think it's something that is like, I don't know if it's necessarily like verbatim, like taught to us. But it is embedded in us, like, I think through experience and things like that. And I've said this on this podcast before where it's like, I remember when Christine first started at Wong Fu and I totally saw her as competition. I was like, oh my gosh, there's this other girl who's coming in. And like, does that mean that I'm getting pushed out? Does that mean that she's going to take over my responsibilities? Like, what does that mean? Right. And it wasn't even like, I was like, oh, I don't like Christine. I hadn't even really known her or like talked to her that much. And why couldn't we have like worked together? Like that way- wasn't our first thought. Yeah. that wasn't
0: your first thought. It was my first thought. That wasn't my
1: first thought. I was like, she's threatening me. (laughs) But I I don't even think that it was like any of the actions of you or I. It was just like the situation and what we're taught about the situation where, you know, if there is a woman in power, there can only be one. Or, you know, if she gets that promotion, Mm -hmm. that's it. That's the cap, you know? Yeah. So I think that it's female competition that we feel is probably different than men but there is that same kind of competitiveness it just comes out in different ways
0: hi christine here happy 2021 as we begin this new year it's a beautiful reason to start the things we've been wanting to do like digging in deeper and finally getting to the root of our insecurities and fears so we can break through to show up as our best selves this year And through therapy, you can do that, like Regina and I have been, through BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest online counseling service. You work with licensed and accredited professionals to get the counseling you're looking for. And it's accessible, affordable, convenient, so anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime, anywhere. We highly, highly recommend trying BetterHelp. Especially during this time, it's super convenient. You can schedule sessions around your time and you can message your counselor whenever and as often as you like. Plus, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp has made such a difference in my overall well-being through 2020, and I know it will continue to help me expand and grow through 2021. BetterHelp is offering our PIP fam 10% off your first month by using our link at betterhelp.com pip. Again, that's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash P-I-P. Take care of yourselves and sending all our love and hugs into this new year.
1: Regina here. I've always been deeply invested in the stories of my ancestors since I was young. Growing up, I constantly asked my parents questions about their childhood and love learning about the experiences that shaped them into who they are today. That's why I'm so excited that we're partnering with StoryWorth. StoryWorth is a fun and easy way to share stories and life lessons with your friends and family. It's an online service that helps your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. It's a fun way to better understand the complexities of your family history and a wonderful way to stay connected during these unprecedented times. Each week, StoryWorth emails your family member a different story prompt or question you've never thought to ask. Like, what's a small decision that you made that ended up having a big impact on your life? And if you can see into the future, what would you like to find out? After one year, StoryWorth will compile all your stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. It's been a huge bonding experience for my parents and I as my dad answers the weekly prompts. He said that the questions have even made him reflect upon his own journey. I'm a huge sap for sentimental gifts, so I'm so excited to finally have all these stories written down in a book that I can cherish forever. Give your loved ones the gift of spending time together, wherever you live, with StoryWorth. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com slash perfectly imperfect. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash perfectly imperfect for $10 off.
2: This is kind of how I see the difference. I think... In the male world or just in society and in particular to competition, the difference between men and women is in culture, men are heralded in terms of being selfish. Like Mm. if they're selfish and they go for the things that they want and sure, they might smash a couple of people down. They're seen as leaders. They're like actually congratulated. Like, wow, you made it to the top. It doesn't matter how many people kind of you had to step on. But wow, look at the glory. Whereas women, they're taught if you're seen that way amongst women or other men, you're judged as being a bitch. Like, oh, wow, look at how selfish she she is. She should be more about fostering community, fostering like each other.
0: Dude, smile more. Exactly. (laughs) And I think that's
2: the difference. That's why men have more latitude in that respect where he got to where he needed to go. He had to do what he had to do. It's a doggy dog world. Mm-hmm. It's like why can't that apply to women? But when it's a woman that we're talking about, they're definitely mm-hmm. seeing a negative light.
0: Mm-hmm. Dude, maybe that's why women we have to do it with mental games because we we <laughs> essentially that's what we're doing, right? We're trying Like being selfish. I mean, like, we're looking out for ourselves, Mm -hmm. which is why we feel like, oh, the resources or whatever Mm -hmm. isn't as plentiful. So, but we got
1: to make it look like we care. That (laughs) that girl, right? So, that's why we got to be more manipulative. (laughs) Oh my God. No, but I think, I think Jack makes a really good point. Like, I've never looked at it in that light. And I do agree. I think that there are a lot of expectations where, in order for women to be successful or a boss, like, we also have to be a martyr and, like, just, Oh my god, so pure and you know wear white and all these things mm-hmm. um versus like if a man wants to go get something and he go gets it like oh yeah, good for him. Like he really stood up for himself. But if a woman does it, oh she's aggressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we're still in that period.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, let's go into like a dating type of expectation or assumption where like I said this earlier, but you didn't really answer it. <laughs> so it's really on you. She's calling you out for it. I know. Just kidding. No. <laughs> it all ties in where it's like, okay, men have commitment issues. I hear this a lot where it's, and I know this, like, what is it about men getting married it takes a while for you guys to get like mm. women have that like, oh, I'm ready. I'm, I want to do this. And then the assumption is that men kind of drag their feet into it or not all guys, but a lot of guys, right? Mm-hmm. They want to stay bachelors. And-,
1: and like we always hear about the women giving the men the ultimatum, like yeah. if you don't propose by this day, you know, I'm done with you.
0: And that it's like they're dating and then like the guys are like, are you trying to lock me down? And I just like the guy that like just happened, you know, you're trying to marry me and stuff. So what's what's going on there? <laughs> um, explain yourself,
1: please.
2: There's actually a lot of layers to men in commitment. And I think let's start with this. The main layer is when you raise a generation of men or raise men to be selfish in their endeavors, because at the end of the day, it's actually not a selfish endeavor. You do these things to establish yourself, to really focus on yourself, to provide for your family, be the breadwinner. So you spend a good portion of your life focusing on yourself. When you spend a good portion of life focusing on yourself, and then you start to incorporate someone into your life on that level, it's going to take you a while to really understand what it's like to incorporate someone into your life let alone get to a level of commitment for marriage, right? Whereas women, I think they tend to think about that earlier. And we talked about this in the episode of me and Mike when we were on, men also develop emotionally slower. <laughs> so the timeline is always off. So when women are ready to get married, because they also have a biological clock, men are still like, well, I just finished working on myself. I got all this stuff. I got a great job. I got this money that I can finally provide for a family. Like now I got to incorporate even more. like It's a mental hurdle to get to that level. And I think that's where the struggle is in all this stuff, where women are like, oh my God, like, why are you so far behind? And he's like, ah, I've been working on all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And now I'm working on us. And it's going to take me longer than you want. <laughs> your timeline suggests.
0: Why well, can't you guys just make money faster? <laughs> I don't
1: understand.
0: <laughs> Wait, do men think about this where, like, Women, by a certain age, they have to have, like, you guys want kids, right? So then do they think like, okay, if mm-hmm. I'm going to marry my girlfriend and then we're going to date for X. Like, women do that. They count backwards. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, I should have two kids by 35. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I need to date a guy. If it's going to be like one year of dating, i want to get to know him. <laughs> you factor all these in. Do you guys think like
2: that? They do. They do think like that. I think especially when they're more mature, they obviously do the math too and want to be like, hey, I obviously I want my future wife or my partner to have a baby where it's less risk involved in it. Men definitely think about that. But I think that a lot of men don't think of that in certain parts of their life where they'll be like, oh, I'm just kind of taking it day to day. I'm working on our relationship, working on myself still. And I think that's where the frustration is, where women are like, well, I'm counting this clock, right? Where men are like, I'm still kind of Mm. guesstimating the clock. Just Mm. don't put too much pressure on me. And that's where the commitment Mm. phobia appears.
1: I think that with men too, like they feel like they have more flexibility. Like with women, it's like, we got to get it like done Mm. by 35. Right. But I think with men, Mm. it's like, Oh, well I can be a little bit older and, you know, my significant other can be younger and then we won't have a problem. I mean, like there are guys who are in their freaking like seventies who are having kids and things like that. And I, do you think that there is this mm-hmm. expectation where it's like oh well you know men they need to get over their party phase and their non-committal phase before settling down you know and then there're the infamous like examples of like george clooney and men like that who are like oh well you know they don't want to be tied down just yet and when they want to have a family when they're ready to have a family they'll make the proper commitments but for women especially mm-hmm. as we're approaching 30s and things like that it's like when are you getting married when are you having kids like there's this like societal pressure overall versus like a man in their 40s could still be like, oh yeah, he's a bachelor and he's just, you know, living his life. I think that the expectations are different, but I do agree with Jack. Like I have a lot of guy friends who do the counting. And I think that that just shows that, you know, there are certain guys who do prioritize that. And again, it's about having open communication with your partner. If it's like, Hey, in the next five years, I'd like to get married and have kids and like Mm -hmm. letting him know Mm -hmm. versus like, I think a lot of times like women are kind of play the card of like, Oh my God, I'm like, totally not trying to lock you down. Mm -hmm. And then they, turn a corner and it's like, when am I getting my ring? And I think that that is like the exaggerated scenarios that we always like hear guys complaining about.
2: Yeah. I think I'll be honest. Women have it tough. (laughs) Women have it really tough. I think. Thank you for understanding Jack. (laughs) Society places, society, which largely has been shaped by men (laughs) has placed this expectation that your prime is at a certain age. It's even beyond Mm -hmm. having a baby. Your value in terms of finding a mate is between the ages of X and X, right? It's definitely not in the 50s or 60s. That's for sure.
0: It's not even in the later 30s, I feel, even 40s.
2: Exactly. So women feel that pressure. So they want that commitment right away or like early on because society is telling you that. You're like, oh, if I don't get that commitment now and I'm in my prime... If I keep waiting, then later on, my pool is going to get smaller, the selection of men, because they're not going to see my worth in that way. And I think that's the hard part that women have to really, I don't know how you guys navigate through that. There's so much that goes into that. And for men, it's like, hey, man, like 50, 60, 70, I can still have a kid, you know, especially like a lot of men are like, hey, I'll probably be even more financially successful then. So some women will see that kind of lifestyle and be like, yeah, I'll date someone older. We can go even
0: deeper into these things, but maybe we'll save that for a Ride in the Fields episode. I'm already yeah. producing his content. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's I mean, all of these bullet points are all like episodes in itself that we can keep going mm-hmm. on and on.
2: Yeah, for sure. So maybe
0: Taurus, now yeah. that ugh, we've been talking for an hour, wanted to go into questions mm-hmm. from our listeners. Okay. So this comes from Deborah, and I think this is a really good, hey, help me <laughs> question. <laughs> she says, I have trouble comparing myself to her boyfriend's ex because of the way he talks to her. What can she do to take away her insecurity
1: and jealousy?
2: That's a good question.
1: Ooh, we're getting right to it.
2: I know. To answer this question, you first have to understand the context of how he's communicating with his ex. Because maybe there is something to be insecure about there. That's number one. It's hard Mm -hmm. to judge without knowing that context. Because if he is talking to an ex in a certain way, then yeah, like maybe your insecurity is not unfounded. And then maybe it's not about you working on your insecurity necessarily, which all of us need to work on our insecurities, number one. But beyond that, it's understanding completely What is the context of that? And it's hard to answer that without understanding the context because sometimes there is problems with trust. Sometimes your boyfriend, I'm not saying this person, okay? But sometimes your boyfriend doesn't understand boundaries, right? He's thinking, oh, talking to my ex in this way is totally fine. But in reality, you don't think talking to his ex like that is appropriate. And I think Christine and I actually had this issue early in our relationship where she established her boundaries, but I also didn't necessarily respect those things. And I was talking to my ex without telling her. And those are things that we work through in our relationship. And it takes communication. It's really being honest and open and really getting through fights, really, or arguments with that to get to a healthier place.
0: Mm. So what if he's not necessarily talking to her in a way that is inappropriate and it it really is... What a lot of women or guys can also relate to this is just feeling jealous. Like also a mm-hmm. lot of people don't want to go into the X files, right? Because it's yeah. like, I'm already jealous and I don't I want to think about you being with somebody else and, you know, all that. So what would you say to Deborah or people like Deborah who feel jealousy and insecure when it comes to
1: any type of Xs?
2: Like a lot of my jealousy that I've had with you, Christine, whether it's like when you talk about exes or you talking to another guy, I had to really ask myself, why am I insecure? Why do I have these? insecurity into me and sort through that because it's unfair for me to project that onto you because I know you're not doing anything shady when it comes down to it, because I trust you. So it really comes down to me. And I think we're doing that inner work is the hardest part. And all of us have been there where we've been jealous or it doesn't even have to be a significant other, jealous of your friends, jealous of other people. Why do you have that? It could be from a multitude of reasons, right? Maybe your parents didn't really give you that security inside you to feel confident you know, or Mm -hmm. a whole host of other reasons or trust issues. Maybe you dated people that didn't really give you that trust. And now you're skeptical all the time. That's kind of where it sources from for me anyways.
0: Yeah. I think to add on to that from like a woman's perspective, Deborah, is that totally get the jealousy. I think that's a human emotion. I would say that comparing ourselves to our significant other's exes is like, what does she have that I don't have? Mm -hmm. Is he still in love with her? Could they? They had obviously had such a deep relationship or whatever it is. And I think that's where we talked of earlier about like women in competition. And then you want to like kind of tit for tat, like what she has, what I don't have. Can I gain that? Oh my gosh, she has bigger boobs, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or like she's so successful in this. You kind of like take yourself down Mm -hmm. in order to just see where you stand. Mm -hmm. And all of that is conditioning of how we see ourselves. We haven't worked on valuing our own individual personality, who we are, our experiences, everything that you are, even in the things that you feel most insecure about or you feel like are flaws, are all what makes you you. And I think choosing to believe in your partner, that he fell in love with you, that he's not with his ex for a reason anymore. This is all taking out of account if he's like being inappropriate (laughs) because that's a different (laughs) thing. But that's just say like your boyfriend is telling you, no, I love you and I love you for you. I think that's the part where I've been working on myself with Jack. It's like just believing it, Mm -hmm. believing that even though I have certain things I'm still working on. That he still loves me for that, and he wants to be there with me to grow with me, and really leaning into who you are, and not only just like what you bring to the table, but just your light, your energy, who you're trying to be, who you've worked really hard to be today, and owning that. Mm-hmm. So I just totally jumped onto.
1: That was question was for Jen. No, I think that that's, it's an emotion that I think. Kind of going off of like the conversation that we had earlier about like women and jealousy. Now it's like a direct comparison right in your Mm -hmm. face of like, oh, this is the person that spent a lot of time with my significant other, probably knows potentially the same amount of information, if not more information about him than I do at this point in our relationship. Or if you guys have been together for a while, it's just, I think it's really easy for us to get into our own heads of like comparison. Like I think that it takes a lot of getting out of our own head. And I think if anything too, like it could be worth having a conversation with your significant other to be like, Hey, you know, Mm. I, I'm not suspicious. It, like, again, <laughs> in the context that it's not anything inappropriate, but it's like, hey, you know, I know that likely there isn't anything going on, but this is something that I'm trying to work on and I want to talk to you about it openly. And I think mm-hmm. I see a lot of those types of conversations happening in your mm-hmm. guys' relationship where you guys mm-hmm. are very open and honest. Like, maybe the first reaction it is like absolute anger or jealousy or something like that. But I think what I really admire about your guys' is, relationship with one another is your ability to talk about these and be so open about it, right? Like if either of you guys are feeling jealous or angry or upset with one another, your ability to talk through it and understand where that other person is coming from. Like, I think that that is really important because I think that if you keep trying to hide it and being like, oh, well, I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous. I'm totally fine with this. One day you're just not going to be. And Mm -hmm. it's not going to be, like, a calm and happy conversation about, like, oh, you know, let's talk about where each of us are coming from. Like, it'll come Mm -hmm. off as super accusatory. Mm -hmm. And that's not beneficial for you. It's not beneficial for him. It's worth having the conversation before it gets to that, like, explosion Mm -hmm. point. Well said.
0: No, that's super important. Yeah. I mean, Jack and I, we've been together. It's going to be nine years. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, it's taken a lot of practice. I mean... For sure, in the beginning there was a mm. lot of triggers. I think now it's more about trolling. <laughs> it's more about <laughs> more like, are
2: you trolling me. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: yeah. Just like, yeah. It's taken a lot of practice even just to get to this point. But what has carried through is what Regina said is the communication mm-hmm. and the vulnerability, like the willing to be, all right, I'm gonna hear you even though I'm mad. But that has taken us over nine
1: years to get to this point.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So Jenny asks, why is negging popular for slash to the male's ego boost? And she hashtagged it victim of negging. I've actually never heard of negging. What is that? You've probably been a victim of negging,
0: Regina. You probably just didn't know it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, so to explain negging, I think it was popularized by pickup artists that taught these tools to young men.
0: That, is it that MTV? Yeah. Or like M- yeah. VH1 or what? it? It was a
2: show. It was like an MTV or VH1 TV show and these pickup artists, they coached young men in how to get girls and negging was a strategy to get girls. So what negging is, is basically making a statement that undercuts you to a certain degree, but not egregiously. (laughs) It might be like an off comment of like, in one more drink, I'll be ready to hit on you or you're too much of a nice girl for me.
1: Mm, Where it's kind of like a backhanded compliment. Yeah,
2: yeah. The goal is, yeah, it's to try to have the girl get your validation, Mm -hmm. to work towards that. Like by making these small comments, number one, you're kind of like, you feel off, but you're also like, well, I don't know. Like I do want this guy's like...
1: Validation. Like you're seeking it kind of like the backhanded compliment and that that makes you kind of like...
2: You want to seek his approval.
0: You know, the whole thing of like, oh, you know, maybe after this drink, I'll think about hitting on you. Like you're like, (laughs) excuse you, but you're also like... Finish your drink. <laughs> like you should. What do you mean? Like yeah, God. Like look at all this, you know. And, and it, that kind of keeps the conversation mm. going. I can see how that's a strategy, but it also makes the girl feel like shit <laughs> sometimes, yeah. like depending on what you're saying. Well, right. it's
2: really what it is is taking advantage of someone's insecurity, right? You're using that as a weapon. You're weaponizing it to a girl. And for a lot of these, I guess, ways of the men negging is really to get you to sleep with them. (laughs) That's the goal. That at the end of the day, you're willing to give up sex to get that validation or approval from them if they keep doing that. Because you're like, well, why does he not just like me for me? (laughs) You know, what do Mm. I have to do for that? And he's like, hey, you want to hang out more? Then are you down for that? You know, Mm. if you're a cool girl, you'll do that, right? And then it puts pressure on you. And it really takes advantage of girls that... Have that insecurity. So guys are targeting girls specifically that will respond to their negging. And I think a lot of girls are unknowingly responding to it. They don't fully understand.
0: They think it's flirty. Ew. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I can totally think back of guys I've dated that it was totally based off of negging. And I was like so pissed, but also just like, I'll show you, you mm-hmm. know, and but it's also kind of attractive, which is twisted in, mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. sense. But I didn't understand it till looking back now. I'm like, oh. You don't have to be flirty by putting me down mm. in a way <laughs> for me to feel like, oh, this is like interesting, this is, like, <laughs> you know. And it's like all these freaking
1: games that you play with yourself. Because you see that in k drama, Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm saying. It's like so twisted the way that each gender is taught to love and to receive Mm -hmm. love. I mean, I think that one of the more like cheesier rom-coms would be like, he's just not that into you. Where they go through the whole like, you know, girls are always taught that, oh, if a guy is like really mean to you, that means he really likes you. Like how… Like I I feel like we accepted that for so long, but then one day, like when you realize like how weird and like twisted that is and that we're teaching young girls this and like, yes, okay, fine. Like, you know, harmless fun when they're young girls, but I don't think that it is harmless fun because then it creates like these insecurities and this like feeling like, oh, if a guy treats me really poorly in a relationship, that just means he really likes me.
0: Or he loves me. Like we say, like, why do women stay in abusive relationships? Because we do that mental flip subconsciously. Like, no, mm. no, no, but he really yeah, loves because me. Because he'll
1: though. do all these other things and then they'll negate like the negative
0: things. You're doing that mental flip that, oh, no, but he's a nice guy because he actually, by doing something mean to me, is actually his way of showing that he likes me, that he's actually a nice guy. You know, so we take that and it's built into our DNA of how we don't understand men. Mm. And landing these conclusions that actually are not true. And it's just justifying really abusive type of behaviors of well, men and women. Okay. Yeah.
2: I wanted to kind of mm-hmm. answer the question of why it's popular and the mm. reason why negging is popular because negging actually, the origins of it is to give a chance to guys that normally wouldn't get the girls, okay? So when you're in a bar and you're a guy and you're not the best looking, you're not the one that stands out physically or even charismatically, right? You have to find a way to adapt, to get the girls that you want. So these strategies were developed to teach males that don't have the confidence how to approach women and throw them off a little bit, but still get their interest, right? Because at the end of the Mm -hmm. day, if you're super good looking, you probably don't need an egg. Let's just be honest, right? If you're Brad Pitt, you don't need to go around to girls to get their attention, But if you aren't Brad Pitt, you need a in, you need a strategy. And if your strategy is being a nice guy, sometimes being a nice guy doesn't work for a lot of guys. They're just like, oh, I'm just being me. I'm just trying to like, be like, hi, what's your name? And girls are just like, yeah, you know, like nothing intriguing. And the negging creates that intrigue. Gives you edge. Yes, exactly. And that's the problem where that's developed. And the thing is, it's worked. That's why it's such a thing. (laughs) Because when men are using that to prey on women, it has worked. Because as you guys said... Deep down within you, there is that, right? Where you do sometimes respond to that. You do want to validate yourself. You're taught to just like get someone's approval because that's where your self-worth is. Being valuable or proving something to to males.
1: Being validated by men.
2: Exactly.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, such different worlds, you know? Mm -hmm. And us women usually being the one that's being approached and not having to think about strategies or stuff like that. We think about it in a different way of like... Well, how do we keep you? (laughs) Right? That type of thing. But yeah. Well, you know, we have so many more questions and obviously so many other things. We always do this. We never get to... (laughs) Through even half of the questions. (laughs) Yeah, but we're already at, like, we've been talking for uh, like an hour and 30 minutes. So Mm -hmm. what we did want to end on was getting more information about Right in the Fields. Because I know these are all things that I could see future episodes and even stuff you've talked about. We just kind of scratched the surface of so many of these things. So for Right in the Fields, like... I wanted to ask, like, what is it that you want people to walk away feeling after listening your podcast? Or how do you want to reach people?
2: I think right in the feels, I really want to start with the purpose of the podcast really is I've always been lost in my own life and searching for direction. And I think as a male, sorting through all these things has been really difficult for me. And I'm at a place where I'm trying to articulate these things and I feel comfortable in doing it. And I think my journey of being vulnerable, and that's really the heart of what this podcast will be, is to be vulnerable as men. And with this being on Perfectly Imperfect, is also have this open discussion between men and women so we can better understand each other with how society is modernizing. And we're having these free-flowing and understanding that it's a spectrum of emotions, spectrums of sexuality. It's a spectrum with a lot of nuances. And again, it's going to these assumptions of men and women. Like, can we move past these assumptions and expectations? Because we're just all people. That's kind of at the heart of it, what I'm trying to accomplish with the podcast. And I'm going to have, obviously, guests on to discuss these things, different topics that involve the origins of our emotions and how to deal with our feels, specifically man feels. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I'm excited about with my podcast. And I really can't wait to have you guys listen to it.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I'm excited because I know I was like, there's so much I've learned from Jack and just conversations that we've had where it's even like, when women get catcalled. Like, why Mm -hmm. do men get mad (laughs) when women don't (laughs) respond to Mm catcalling? And then he's like explaining, well, men see it in a certain, like how they view attraction is they want to be seen as attractive. So the way Mm -hmm. that they're catcalling us, we see it's like, oh, you're looking at me as a sexual object. Like men, surprisingly, also they want that. They want to be seen as not sexual objects, but just like, I would sleep with you. You're a candidate that I would sleep with, Mm -hmm. but not validating me just totally says that you don't see me at that level. You're crossing me off as nothing. So then they feel automatic rejection in that way. So stuff like that, where it's like mm-hmm. we jump into these conversations just, you know, after we watch like a murder mystery. we'll just like, <laughs> <go into laughs> these like random conversations. And it's so enlightening for me to hear as a woman. And I, that helps build empathy and compassion for like... Oh, before literally my twenties were like, oh, the rock set boys. There was like a popular comic back then that was like that. And then now it's like getting more understanding from where males are coming from helps me be a better person, honestly. Mm, so sure. I'm not coming in with yeah, my own judgments and preconceived notions of like, well, this is just what it is. Like, they're jerks and they're assholes. You know, there's more
2: to it. Where mm-hmm. I am now, the person I am and the person that you've guys gotten to know, especially you, Regina. Like I was not this person early in my twenties. I went through a lot. Like I had a gambling addiction. I fought with my family. I ran away from home. I did a lot of things that were very abusive to myself. And these are the things that I learned along the way. This is why I care so much about starting my podcast is really to talk through these things through my experiences. I was a very angry, angry man. Even being with Christine, I had a lot of relationship issues where I lied to her. I wasn't honest. And I had to work really, really, really hard to understand myself and fix those behaviors and improve on them. That's the reason why you guys have inspired me, like giving me the courage to actually say these things and following your example of Perfect Imperfect. That's why I honestly am so honored to be a guest, you know, and Mm. talk about the difference between male and females and stuff like that is so fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I think, you know, Jack, like throughout our relationship and watching you and Christine grow together, you've always been someone who was always never afraid to stray away from your struggles. And I think that that is a really difficult thing for anyone to do, but it's also particularly difficult for men to do because they're taught and bred to not show weakness. And, you know, they have to be exactly like all the things that we said in this podcast. And I'm glad that I got to meet later twenties and (laughs) early thirties to mid thirties, Jack, because I think we get along a lot better than early twenties, Jack, but I'm, I'm so proud of the growth that you've done and the work that you've done on yourself, just seeing the amount of work that I see you guys do on yourselves together as a couple. And, you know, everybody in our like friend group is always like, oh my God, Christina and Jack are like, you know, relationship goals. But I think that oh, they don't really see. I, I do <laughs> think that. Yeah. And I, But I'd also think that like a lot of people don't see a lot of like the work that goes into it, the work that you guys had to do individually and together. And a lot of that time it overlapped. And I do think that that's probably, probably, probably why you guys had that break where it was just like, you guys Mm -hmm. were both working on yourselves and ran into this situation where you're just kind of like, Oh my God, do we continue growing together or do we go our separate ways? Mm -hmm. But you know, I'm very glad that you guys continue to work on it together. (laughs) And I'm and I can still see the work that you guys are doing on yourselves. And I think that you guys are people that I really admire in regards to the way that you conduct yourselves in a relationship because I hope that I can also have that openness and honesty in my future relationship where we can talk about these things. Like I have said in the past where it's like I feel closest to people where I am able to have these conversations with, and I can see how much better your guys' relationship is because of those <laughs> three AM conversations, whether Jack likes them or not. that's the secret, guys. That's the secret.
0: <laughs> okay. You like... wake
1: them at that three AM delusional. Yeah. They'll say they'll answer <laughs> I <know>. anything truthfully. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> it works. It works. <laughs> okay,
0: so then where can people find you and right in the field? Well,
2: the podcast is called right in the field. So you can find it on all platforms, whether it's Apple podcast or Spotify. And for social media, you can follow me on IG, right in the fields podcast. And I have my own personal IG, which is Jack Chen was here.
1: We'll be sure to link all the information down in the description below. Definitely check out Right in the Feels. I'm so excited that you're starting this new venture and I'm so proud of you and your dedication to... (laughs) Helping all men (laughs) Understand their emotions better I will speak
2: for all men
1: Yes, exactly exactly. Answer for them
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean like just personally As your significant other Just watching your own journey Jack started off as a banker Mm -hmm. When I first met him, believe it or not And how wild is it that
1: Christine married
0: An ex banker. I know. I know. I was like, no, artists all the way. And then I go for like a financial. Guide. That's true. That's true. So I think for you to get to a point where seeing you record by yourself and the struggles that you even just doing that, just sharing it and talking to yourself and being vulnerable. I'm really proud of you for being able to get to this point and taking that chance and going off something that, you know, isn't going to guarantee you X amount or it's not going to come to this type of outcome or whatever. But it's purely because it's from just the good of who you are and wanting to spread a little bit of light or connect with people purely just for that, connecting with people and putting that out there. So yeah, really proud of you. And this is what Regina says. I could not recommend (laughs) listening to him more, you know? So she always says just like, it's just... Makes me ah, oh, just all the oh. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. There it is. I think that's one of the highest recommendations. So definitely go listen, follow, and if you like perfectly imperfect, it definitely translates, but from another perspective and even more in depth.
2: Well, thank you guys for having me on. I'm obviously one of Pip's hardcore fans, as you can probably see on social media. I'm like the first to like <laughs> any of your stalker. posts. <laughs> I'm totally a stalker. Like, I comment on all the posts. <laughs> And also, you guys will be guests on my podcast. So that's going to be also exciting for people who obviously listen to you guys, the Pip fans. Christine and Regina will definitely be one of the first guests on my show.
1: Did you book time with us? We're very popular.
2: Yeah, I I need to work on that. Am I getting
1: paid? (laughs) (laughs) What's my
2: appearance (laughs) fee?
1: We can record the conversations that we have at 3 (laughs) (laughs) a.m. Well, thank you so much, Jack, for joining us. It was really, really fun having you here. And guys, be sure to check out his show and follow him on Instagram. We'll leave all the information down in the description below. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Perfectly Imperfect. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Get